Thanks, guys. Be warned, right? This message could mess with your head just a little bit. It's kind of often my goal, to be honest. I re- you know, I think it's case of the preacher. Scientists have proved that God doesn't exist. Have you heard this? Yeah, yeah it's proven, it's done, it's, it's, they've kind of achieved it, it's there, finished with, it's over, it's finished, it's done. Now, obviously, there's a bit of a problem here, right, because we're all in church. So do we kind of just pack up and go home, or do we kind of argue with them? And, I mean, no one really wants to get into big arguments. It's never a good thing, is it, arguing with someone? And, you know, you don't want to make people look stupid or anything. And, but they've proven. I'm going to show you how they've done it and what they've done. But scientists have proven, right, that God doesn't exist have you heard, and, and I'm gonna, I want to explain it to you if I can, right? Have you ever heard a preacher come in or a Christian come and say to you, why do you exist? Have you ever kind of, you know, why you're here, that kind of stuff? Come on, anyone. Am I the only one? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Right. So we've all had that moment. Well, all of us, most of us, some of us, where someone comes here and they're like, they're challenging you. Why do you exist? Why are you here? Yeah. What, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? What's the point of, of, of you and, you know, and your life and think about yourself? I want to take this further into the twilight zone. Anyone remember the twilight zone? Weird stuff, that one here. Anyway, <laughs> I want to go twilight zone-ish a little bit here. I want to ask you this, right? Like, if you think about why do you exist, let's take that to the ultimate level, right? Why does the universe exist? Yeah, silence, in it. Like, why does the universe exist? Why? And I'm not on about, like, trying to, trying to do it from a science point of view of, like, atoms and, you know, and dark matter and light matter and all of this kind of stuff and all these scientific theories and everything. I'm going to touch on a couple. I'll keep it simple and as basic as I can. But, like, why does the universe exist? Let me put it a better way. This might explain it better, right? Why isn't there just nothing? It's hard to get your head around that one, isn't it? Like, think about it for a moment. You do have to think about this. Why isn't there just nothing? Well, I'm on it. Well, hold on, right? No God. No, no universe. No thoughts. No questions. Not even nothing. Nothing doesn't even exist. Like, there's just nothing. Nothing It isn't even there to be thought of. No one can even say, well, there's nothing because there's no one to say there's nothing. There's not even, the word nothing doesn't exist. There is nothing, not a single thing. There's nothing anywhere. Nothing, 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 not a thing. No one to create it. No one to say no one created it. Nothing. There's not a single, single thing. But clearly there is, isn't there? Because we're all here. Well, maybe because the scientists would challenge that because there's a theory that actually there is nothing and nothing exists. Now, this, I told you I was taking to the twilight zone. So I did warn you, all right? So I'm sorry about this, but I, I forewarned you. If it's messing with your head a little, you're watching online, pause it and rewind and take a moment. For you in the room, I'll try and go gently. But right, there's a theory that there's nothing 
that all of this is, I don't know what, quite what, how they explain that. And if you think that's like one of these far out crackpot theories, right? This was put out there at the Royal Astronomical Society, Forbes magazine, independent, major, major news outlets and stuff like that. There's a genuine scientific theory that there is nothing. Silence. <laughs> a bit like the silence in this room. Amen? Like, that's, I mean, I've, have I messed with people's heads here? No? You kind of with me? Like, it's a scientific argument, right? There's, there's nothing. And there's a, have you, anyone heard of a thing called nihilism or nihilists? So a nihilist is someone that doesn't believe in God, right? But you might think an atheist. No, they go further. They don't believe in any kind of rules, any kind of meaning, nothing. Nothing at all. There's a, there's a belief that there's nothing. There's no meaning. There's no rules. There's no God. It, they don't believe that we don't exist. They just believe that there is nothing. That's nihilism. That's the, people who believe in that will call themselves nihilists. That is crazy, right? Because they believe in nihilism. But nihilism is the belief that there are no beliefs. Is that not a bit of a, I mean, we're going with, par, you know, real paradox and messing with your head kind of stuff here. But the scientists have proven that there is no God, right? They have proven that. It is a done deal. They've sealed it up. They've closed their book and said he doesn't exist. And that's over. And, and you might be wondering, how have they done that? Did I miss this article in the newspapers? Well, there wasn't really a major announcement about this. So you didn't miss anything, don't worry. There wasn't an announcement. No one came out and said, hey, we've proven God doesn't exist. The scientific community got together, made a statement. It wasn't in Forbes. It wasn't in the Independent. It wasn't in the Royal Society or anything like that. They just, they just decided this and proved this and kind of kept it slightly silent and just slowly disseminated this information that God doesn't exist. Okay, so you might be wondering, well, how does that work? How did I miss this? How did I not get onto this? You didn't miss it. You are fully aware of this idea in the scientific community that God doesn't exist because it's kind of out there. So how did they prove that God doesn't exist? Well, it's really, really easy, to be quite honest with you. And what they did was they decided God doesn't exist. It's as easy as that. It's like dead easy, dead simple. They decided God doesn't exist. We've thought about it. We've had a little conference. We've got together, and, and you know, a few of us in different areas, and we've decided he doesn't exist. It's, it's done. We agreed on that, so he doesn't exist. He just doesn't exist. We agreed on that. He's not there. He doesn't exist. So that's cool. And so what you start doing is you make that. And this is how they've done it. You make that your, it's called an axiom. Anyone heard of an axiom? Probably not, because it's not, unless you've kind of studied science or anything like that. An axiom is like a foundation stone, a building block. It's something that you build other things on, right? So I, I studied maths. So one of the basic axioms in maths is that one plus one equals two. So it's the addition principle. And so from that, 
you know, and there's a few others as well, there's about five or six others, and, and all mathematical principles are all based on that. And you can see the logic of having axioms, can't you? Because you've got to have some kind of foundation stones, and, and really numbers, they're just a created thing. You don't have to have numbers, they don't have to exist, but, you know, there's numbers and it's ways of adding things up, and, and the rules are that one and one equals two, and so if one and one equals two, then one and two equals three, and on and on and on it goes. So what the scientists did was they said, okay, our axiom, our basic premise, our starting point, our building block for anything we're going to study or observe or conclusions we're going to come to is that God doesn't exist. And that's how they did it. Clever that, isn't it? Really, really, really clever. There's, and, and there's, but there is problems to that. It's not quite as simple as that. That obviously comes with its own problems because what do you do with the people out there that think that God exists? Because they're a problem, aren't they? What do you do with them? People like me, right? What do you do with them? Well, it's dead easy, right? They come up with a solution for that as well. I'll tell you a story. I forgot the guy. Oh, that's it, yeah. Um, so years ago... When I'd finished at uni, I looked into doing a PhD in maths. And so I was invited to the Royal Society in London to go and observe a lecture on what I was going to be studying the PhD in. Really interesting, fascinating thing, an incredible place and an incredible building, right? Sir Isaac Newton was, was the head of the Royal Society in his day. One of the most respected scientists in all of history came up with the theory of calculus, which is really, you know, it was in the Renaissance period. One of these huge, big figures. You've all heard of him, obviously, right? And there's a, there was a guy there around about the time that I went down there, a Professor Michael Rees. And he, he, was the, the, he was the chair of education. I might have got that title slightly wrong, but the chair of education at the Royal Society. He was a professor, or he still is a professor as far as I'm aware, and, and a respected guy, right? He's, he's a, 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 well, I'm not quite sure exactly on his religious beliefs, but he confesses to be a Christian, but I can't vouch for him based on one or two things I've heard that he said. But he proposed, he said, right, and it was quite a few years ago now, but not that long ago, he said that in schools, right, there should be, if a child says about, you know, but God created the heavens and the earth and, you know, God made the world, that that should be discussed. That was what he said. The mainstream media got hold of that and said that he said that, that creationism, the idea that God created the world should be taught in schools. The backlash on this guy, right? You could not believe. It was incredible. You can search it and look it up and, and go and find out about it. He was, to say he was publicly humiliated, I think we'll be doing the phrase public humiliation a disservice. The, the, the kind of comments that were coming out about him were that he was a buffoon. That he, I mean, he, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, so forgive me. I, these are my words. But I, I'm sure I did read somewhere, and certainly if this wasn't exactly said as I'm saying it, it was certainly the implication that the guy, I may as well be suggesting that we teach and discuss fairies at the bottom of the garden. That was what was said about him. And, and he was so discredited, he was forced to resign. And yet the Royal Society themselves knew that he hadn't even said the things that were being reported about him, but he was forced to resign. What does that say? 
That's how you deal with the people, that want, the, 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 the lunatics like me, who want to say, no, I actually believe in God. Any, am I on my own? Anyone else? One, one or two others in here? That's good, that's good. I, 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 you know, I'm kind of talking to non-Christians as well. In this bit. But that's how you deal with them. You, you kind of, in fact, some of you might know this, the worst thing, do you reckon that the worst fear that anyone has is public humiliation? If you think about it, you know, those nightmares that you have of like, turning up on stage and suddenly you look down and you're like, I'm naked, I forgot to put my clothes on. You know, that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? It's like your worst possible, don't, please don't imagine that. It's your worst possible fear. Okay. What if, no, anyway. <laughs> but so, so basically the, what they've done is, this is how they prove that God doesn't exist. They basically decided he doesn't exist and now it's an irrefutable fact it's a premise, and if you are one of the, and, and studies have shown, although they don't really publish this too much, they reckon it's about a third, a third, a third of scientists, if you look at belief in God, a third believe, a third don't, and a third would say they don't know. But how often do you hear scientists say, I believe in God? Anyone hear that? Anyone, anyone, anyone catch that on the news last week, six o'clock news? Scientists came out saying, I believe in God. Anyone hear that? You must have missed it like me. I didn't catch that one. But apparently a third of them do. And it's that usual thing when they just do like a survey and they're not having to come out and say it publicly. So there are a huge number of scientists. So don't be fooled into thinking that all scientists don't believe in God. It's not true. It's just that a group of them got together and decided we don't believe in God now. We've proved he doesn't exist. Here's how we're going to do it. And to deal with the lunatics and the freaks like Barry Cross, the pastor, we're just going to publicly humiliate them and then we'll, we'll resign them to the, to, the, to the, you know, over there, basically. They're over there. They're the lunatics. We don't need to to worry too much about them because they're a bit crackpot and let them kind of get on with the fairies at the bottom of the garden and all that kind of stuff. Are you with me? Woe to you if you argue against it. The punishment is public humiliation if you want to go into science. But the thing is, the problem is, it's not just stayed within science. It's entered the culture of work and our worlds. Anyone ever kind of kept quiet about the fact that you're a Christian? Ever just like, mm, you could have just led with it. It could have been, you know, you then, it could have been the right hook, and, or sorry, the left jab, and you didn't. You just, you, you went for the defensive one and just went quiet and ducked and dived and didn't really say, anyone? Anyone ever done that? I'm a pastor and I've done that. Kind of like not addressed it. Why? Like, Why? Why, why, why hide it? I'm not on about you've just not walked into a room and, and you're like new people, you turn up to someone and you're like, hey, hi, nice to meet you, I'm a Christian. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a bit weird, isn't it? I'm not on about doing that. I think that's odd, frankly. And I'd be a bit freaked out and weirded by someone who did that. But I would reserve judgment because you never know. They could be the next like Smith Wigglesworth or someone who just transforms the room. So you do have to reserve judgment just because like we might say, hey, that's a bit out there. Doesn't mean it's wrong, does it? Kind of history teaches us that. We know that, right? 
It's just that what we try and do is we try and just be a little bit normal so we don't just stop our argument before it even begins. So I'm not on about that. I'm on about just when you've kind of felt that, that you should just mention it. Like, hey, what did you do at the weekend? And you talk about everything but Sunday morning when you went to church. Anyone done that? You know what I mean? And maybe there's, maybe there's a new guy. Maybe the boss has come into the room. He's a new boss or something. Or, you know, you can imagine the scenario, can't you? You know what I'm on about, don't you? My son has used this, and I think he's lost a little clip on the back. I'm sorry if it's not you, Adam. I apologize, but it's annoying me slightly. So if you see me doing that, that's all that is. Anyway, someone's used it and lost a clip, but that's my little kind of issue. Anyway, right, so... <laughs> Hey, you know what I mean? It's Sunday morning, isn't it? It's relaxed. We're not at work, are we? It's the weekend. We're in church. Let's have some fun. Anyone remember fun? Gifts of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? It's in there. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> so why do we exist in a universe that might not even exist? Why does a universe exist in a universe that might not exist? It's all a bit kind of mad and, and freaky and twilight zone I'm going to propose an idea, a solution to the problem. And, and here's, a, oh, here's the other thing that scientists do. Oh man, this is incredible. And they, so what they do is they come up with, so if you start with your axiom of, I don't believe in God, yeah, then what you've then got to do is you've got to come up with solutions for all the things where if there was a God, he could have been involved in it, or he most certainly was involved in it. So how do you do with that? What you do there is you come up with fancy names. Like really fancy names for it. Dark matter. That's a really great one. Because no one's got a clue what it means. Right? Apparently, <laughs> dark matter, right? Apparently, it's this incredible stuff. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not stupid, right? So I kind of, you know, and if I'm going to talk on it, I do research it. So I'm not saying it definitely doesn't exist, right? But there's some things in science, and dark matter, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is one of them. And it's a big issue, dark matter, because when the universe was created, right, they, they, they've had to come up with something called dark matter to solve a problem. But the problem that dark matter creates is that when the universe, and this is the idea that the universe doesn't actually exist, is that when the universe, the big bang, as they call it, they, not me, as they call it, right, when that happened, that you've got matter and dark matter or antimatter. And the problem you've got is that they cancel each other out. And really, when you put in the numbers into the computer and you work it out, right, really what should have happened is the universe should have exploded and expanded and immediately vanished because the plus and the minuses cancel each other out and it all just disappears and goes. But it doesn't work like that. It's not happened and they can't solve that. But they, what they'll do is they'll we'll get to that. They just haven't found a name for it yet. Just invent a new name. For, am I ranting here about this? I'm sorry. I'm kind of having a little rant here. I'm going off on one just a touch. But think about it, guys. There is a lot of stuff. And, and the media, the problem we've got is, right, the, the media... And, and don't be fooled by the media because you, you really, I want you to be wise. Paul spent a lot of time teaching the church to be wise, to understand, not to be ignorant. Now, that doesn't mean you're ignorant, just not being ignorant, not being able to give an answer or understand the complex issues, yeah? And the, the, the complex issues... 
One of the complex issues is the media, because what happens is the media hear about some new kind of thing that the scientists have come up with, and they pack that, The scientists have spent five or six years studying, people who are at the top of their field, who spent maybe 30 years studying to get to the point where they can spend five or six years studying this, yeah? And then they spend all that time doing it, and the media pack that into an eight-letter, an eight-word headline and then you get this explanation of it that sounds plausible but really they've condensed 50 years of study by hundreds of different scientists so you want about kind of accumulation of thousands of years worth of study into a headline and a two-minute news article and suddenly everyone just goes oh that must be true then because it was on Sky News. Can I tell you something about Sky News? It's owned by Rupert Murdoch. BBC, pretty, pretty biased in their viewpoints. Pretty biased. If you really watch it with a neutral viewpoint, they are incredibly biased. I'm not sure if we're going to get closed down for saying this kind of stuff. Let's hope not. Pray we don't, if you believe in God, by the way. And on and on and on. And don't forget, right, they're in the business of selling newspapers, selling airtime. Do you know how much it costs to run an advert on Saturday night telly? Like with the production costs and you know about a couple of hundred thousand pounds for a 30-second advert. That's a powerful motivator, isn't it? To make it entertaining. To to you know, clickbait and make it really grab your attention and get you drawn in and hooked in. I, wanna, I don't want to just keep ranting about this. I want to talk to the Christians. Can I talk to the Christians for a moment? If you're not a Christian, feel free to leave at this room or click off and, you know, turn off. You don't have to watch the rest of this. But I would love it if you did. I don't want you just to kind of turn off. Please stay and watch. And we're on that one. We're on that one. So, no, no, we've smoothed. We're on that one. Okay, we're on that one. Right. If you're watching, please don't click off. I want you to, but I'd prefer it if you, you know, you don't have to. It's cool if you want to. And if you, anyone wants to leave at this point, I want to talk to the Christians, right? So I'm going to talk from a Christian concept. I'm going to, I'm going to make a premise, right? I'm going to do what the scientists have done, but the other way around. I'm going to declare that I've proven that God exists. What do you reckon? Anyone want to join me? Yeah, I've proved that God exists, right? I've done it, or we've done it. Should we do it together? Let's not make it all about me. Let's do it together, right? Anyone want to, in fact, come on, let's do it, right? If you're a part of this, no, actually, it might make people feel awkward. I was going to say stand up if you want to kind of join in with me, but I don't want to make people feel awkward. Feel free to if you want, though, just for a moment. But anyway, right, so Ephesians 4, listen to this, right? Nearly dropped that. Okay, so, in fact, no, let me read it. This is, this is uh, Paul talking to Timothy, who's a young pastor at the time, and it's 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. He says this to Timothy, the young pastor. He says, I charge you. So think about it, I charge you, right? You know, that's like, I, I, I'm, this is serious. I'm calling you out on this. You must do this. Paul, the, the apostle, the head of the church, the respected one, charging Timothy, a young pastor. He says, I charge you in the presence of God. 
That's heavy stuff if you're a Christian, isn't it? I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So it's not the kind of thing you rush in to do, but you still have to do it if you're a pastor. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, Timothy, or any young pastor or old pastor, I'm going to go in the young category. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff, did I say something funny then? <laughs> Thought it must be. It's not, it's, not, it's not the thing, is it? No, it's not. That's all right. Then. Teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Right? I'm a young pastor. I, I'm, I am young, honestly. I'm a young pastor, right? I, I, I've got to, that, this is kind of, you know, I've got to do this. You, you get it? You know what I mean? I've got to speak stuff out. I've got to say it. Otherwise, I'm kind of not doing my job. And what's the point? And here's the thing, right? I'm more scared of God than I am of you. Right? Seriously, I'm kind of more scared of God than I am of you because you might be able to kill the body, right? But God can kill the soul. And I don't really want that. So I'm, I'm kind of more scared. And, and fear is a powerful motivator. But fear of God, it says in Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God, not in a, not, not like that, like a reverent respect of this is, in, you know, like when your dad says, mark my words. You touch that new ornament. You even lay a finger on it and knock it over. You're in big, big trouble. You, you know, you, yeah, you get the one, yeah, yeah. You drive my car again, that, all that kind of stuff, you know? Now, I know what I'm about to say could offend. I don't think it's going to. I hope it's not, but I know there's the possibility to. Particularly if you're watching at home, it could perhaps offend you. And, and I'm going to be honest, right? If, you, if you've ever listened to a pastor or me and you've, you've thought that, oh, yeah, you know, they're just spouting it off and all of that, I can only speak from my own personal opinion, right? Whenever I prepare a message, if there's something in there controversial, you'll spend a ridiculous amount of time over that bit trying to craft the words. I'll write it out. My notes, whenever I get up to preach, are about 20 pages long. I probably use about 10 words than when I get up to preach, but I'll still spend like a ridiculous amount of time get crafting it word for word, and then you get up and you just kind of say it because you've got to say it rather than reading it out because you've got to say what's really in your heart, but what you've written hopefully is in your heart, and that's why you wrote it down. Making sense? We're not back in the twilight zone. Good. Okay. Right. So, so it's not said lightly, right? Also, I don't believe, and, and again, not to offend anyone, I don't believe I'm the Pope. And what I mean by that, right, is not having a go at the Pope or anything. It's not my place to, to judge or criticize him. Well, not, yeah, anyway. 
that's, that's a hot, now, can we leave that one for another day? Can we just leave that bit for a minute? But the Pope would say, he would give commandments to the, to the Catholic Church, and, and they would be on a par with what the Bible says. Right, that's the kind of what goes on in the Catholic Church. Right, we don't do that in our church, and and you know any of the churches that that we kind of know of that aren't Catholic, that are good, you know, good Christian churches. So I don't stand up here as the Pope telling you God has said a new commandment. However, I do believe in Ephesians four, which says that God created apostles and pastors and evangelists and preachers and teachers to to build up the church, to teach, to show them what God would be saying. So I do believe there's a there's a there's a tension there, isn't there? In the, I'm not stood here as the Pope telling you, hey, it's this, and you've got to believe me because you're part of Hope Church, right? But I've equally got to come out and say what. What I believe, what I believe that God's saying, what I believe that is right, what I believe is the truth. And uh, do you, have you heard this this week? It's like a year, isn't it, since lockdown? And there's been all the candle vigils and all that stuff. And, and I was thinking about it this week from a, from a kind of church point of view and from our point of view and all of that stuff. And a year, can you imagine? It's been a year, right? And. Uh, like that first three months, I don't know how many of you kind of realise, for three months, right, I personally, and I wasn't the only one, didn't sleep on a Saturday night for three whole months. It switched to all being done in mine, in our living room, or in our house, kitchen, living room, you name it, it took over most of the house. And you might go, okay, why do it all on a Saturday night? But a lot of it was being done in the kitchen, because that was the kind of, when we worked it out, the best room to do it in. But like, when you think about that, you've also got to eat there, haven't you? You know what I mean? And when you've got kids, you know, they start moaning when you don't feed them and stuff like that, you know, and... And I keep getting told I shouldn't give them McDonald's Happy Meals every day. So, you, you know, you, you kind of like got to keep transforming it back into a kitchen, then back into a film studio, then back into a kitchen. And, and I really personally, this is a personal thing, I felt that it was important that everything was live. No matter what the cost. That, that, and that was on me. That was my kind of, you know, issue. So I said it on my shoulders. And, and, and you'll realize why I'm saying it. It's not to blow my own trumpet or to have a moan or a complain. Uh, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. But I felt that, that really live was important. I didn't want, and we, it went off a few times. I remember the few issues we had when we were doing it. And the live stream would go down. And then we'd be desperately trying to get it back on. And then we came up with this image, technical difficulty. Do you remember that one? The red background and all of that stuff going on. And we did all of that. And the reason for saying all of that is this. We went to an inordinate amount of effort and work. And then even when that had finished and we could come back to the building and do it here, we spent, and, and guys spent flipping days and took time off to transform the room up there. There's a film studio up there while we spent six months transforming this. Anyone remember the church when it faced that way? Like, and now it faces this way. This was like, there was nights and nights of working through the night to get this done and finished. Paint it. Anyone notice the front building? It looks a different colour. And you couldn't even come in that way because that's all being plastered at the moment. So that's all being transformed. But we went to an inordinate amount of work, right, to, to, to do it online so that people could watch online. 
right? So the point of me saying it is, I'm not saying like, you know, this isn't a rant or a moan or a complain about online, because if it was really, I should, we should never have done it online, should we? I should have just gone, I'm not doing that, I'm coming to the building, and if you don't want to come, don't come. If you want to come, come, let them find me. Let them give me the 10,000 pound fine. I didn't really want to bankrupt the church, so we kind of, you know what I mean? And I think the trustees wouldn't have been too happy with me. So anyway, we didn't do that, and we went with the other way, and you know, but we, but it's the bottom line, right? Didn't have to. Didn't have to. Christians have gone to prison for the beliefs, beheaded for the beliefs, stoned to death for the beliefs. So I, I believe strongly that we, we should stand up for what we believe. I think that's a real important issue. And, and I think the, the, if there's one thing I could really like get across is don't let fear of public ridicule or what they might think, or really in one sense what anyone else might think other than what God thinks. That's the most important thing, right? And, and here's the other thing, right? Whilst we may disagree in our interpretation sometimes over things, you might disagree with some of the verses I'm going to quote here and what I, what I see from them. Whilst we may disagree on that, right? There is a verse in there about eating meat and not eating meat. And Paul's conclusion on it was that it's ultimately, it's a matter of faith. But equally, there's Ephesians 4, so I've got to say what I think. Can I read a few verses? Because here's the thing, right? If you're watching from home, right, we welcome you and we're doing lots for you and putting it all out there. And in one sense, you can get everything you need from watching at home, can't you? I've got to be honest and say I don't believe you can. I don't believe you can. And I could list, I could probably spend, I've spent the whole sermon just on this. But let me read a few verses. Because this is, to, remember I said this is to the Christians, right? And it's not to offend, but we've got to get to the truth. We've got to, we've got to know what the truth is, what the truth of the matter is, right? The first one would just be simply the word church. Right, it comes from the Greek word ecclesia. You've heard me preach on it before and mention it before. Greek word, and it essentially means two things, two major things. It means it's the assembly, the congregation. The it's the assembly. Jesus chose a word that meant to assemble together when he described his holy church. He used the word that meant to assemble together. In one sense, for me, I could kind of stop there. And I'm not saying, understand this as well. I probably should put this in. I don't believe you're saved by going to church. I believe you go to church because you're saved. Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So for whatever reason, right, seek God and his kingdom first. Don't seek your bank balance or your reputation or anything, your health even. Now there's controversy because we believe in healing as well. We believe in, you know, people being healthy and well and stuff like that. But God says, no, he didn't say seek your health and then the kingdom or seek your finances, make sure you've got money on the table and then the kingdom or, you know, whatever. He says, no, seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And then he says, then I will make sure everything else is in order. Matthew 16, 18 says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word church there is the ecclesia. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And the two or three, right, it doesn't mean the goal is it's just two or three of us together. What it means is the goal is it's, it's a minimum of two or three. Two or three to mean either two or more. I think you could interpret that quite easily as two or more. Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That doesn't sound like a reason to be in church. Well, how do you baptize if there's no one here to baptize? We've got to get together to baptize. We've got to be able to be in a room to be able to do that. Mark 1, 21, And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching. There's more on this bit. Luke 2, 48 to 40, Luke really nails in on this one. Listen to this. Luke 2, 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, the bit when he went missing, Jesus vanished. He didn't know where he was. They were all together on the path. You ever done that with your kids? You've just gone missing. You don't know where they are. They lost Jesus for a few days. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Well, anyway, we won't go there. That's, again, that's another sermon. But <laughs> and, and you can imagine how frantic Mary was. Can you imagine? Anyway, son, why have you treated us so? So she's blaming him for it. <laughs> right? And he said this, okay? He said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I must be in my father's house. Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom. That means he, that was what he did, his routine. That's what he did. This is what Jesus did. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Luke 6, 6, on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was withered. That story starts off with on another Sabbath, he was there at the synagogue. Luke 19, 47, and he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. I know how that feels. Luke 20, not quite as Jesus did, obviously, but I think we've all been there to a certain degree, haven't we? Some of us. Luke 22, 53, when I was with you, day after, he's talking to his disciples at this point. He says, when I was with you, day after day, were in the temple. Don't need to read the rest of that verse. You, you know, you've all heard it said, right, haven't you? What would Jesus do? Anyone had the wristband? WWJD, right, yeah? Okay, here's what he'd do. He'd be in church on Sunday. If you're trying to find Jesus, right, and you're wondering where he is, right, he's here. 
right now with us. He's, he's here with us. This is where he is on a Sunday. That's not to say he's not in other places and you can't experience God in other places. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Jesus is always here. That doesn't mean he's not other places. It means he's always here. When we're here, when the church is here, he is here with us. This is where predominantly, first and foremost, once you realize who God is, who Jesus is, once you become a Christian, this is the place where you meet with Jesus. This place here. And the social media language, listen to this, right? Social media language says, like, kind of, you know, live your life, love your life, you know, do all this kind of stuff, doesn't it? Listen to what Jesus said. He said, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am. That's what it says. And I could stop there, but that's not where he finishes the verse. Listen to what he says and how he puts it. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honour him. Remember, it, 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 it hurts me that this could feel like to anyone I'm having a go or making anyone feel bad or guilty or anything like that. Right, we're Christians, right? So we believe in, you know, we're not in condemnation. God doesn't come to condemn us. He comes to convict us of the truth so that we might grow and follow him and do the things that God wants us to do. But I assure you, the thing that God wants us to do is as a church to be here, to be the light. Because if the church goes, who spreads the word? If we're all cast apart and there's no church and we're all just at home in our homes and we're never meeting together and we're never, there's no, not that strength, who spreads the word? Who does it? Who are his hands and feet? If we all just abandon church and go, well, you know what? Let's not bother. Then what happens when someone needs the church? Where's the church for the people who need it? Where's the church for the people who are coming? And they are coming. And they're saying, do you know what? I need God. I need God. And I didn't know where to turn, so I came to church to find him. Because I knew this is where he would be. And guess what? They're right. Because Jesus said, this is where I am on a Sunday. You can be assured if you come here on a Sunday, you will meet with me. I am here. You might not always like what he says to you, granted, but you will meet with him. And you know what? I, I know the risk. We all know the risk. We don't have to talk about the risk. Go on, you can play them chords. Do that fancy twiddly stuff. Probably a good time. Just softens it a little bit, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Nice one, Josh. I know the risk, right? I know that we're in the middle of a... Or probably get, not in the middle, perhaps, maybe, arguably, who knows, of a global pandemic and all of this stuff's been said, hasn't it? And, and, and I'm not bringing that down. People have died, right? People have died, right? But if that is our evaluation on what we do if we just decide what we do just purely based on risk we just do a risk assessment then this book that we've believed in we really should chuck it out because that wouldn't pass a risk assessment literally the bible would not pass a risk assessment and 
you, you might go, well, okay, I'm not bothered about myself. I, I don't want to put anyone else at risk. Yeah? Anyone thought that? Because that's been put out there, hasn't it? We're putting others at risk. Let me tell you this, right? Think about this. Do you know 32,000 people? Last year, we've got figures for that I could find was 2019. 32,000 people were either killed or seriously injured on the road. 32,000 people. The risk of, the, of corona to someone under 24 is 0.02%. That's one in every 5,000 people. Right? Of those 32,000 people who were either killed or seriously injured, we're not on about like a little bruise on the arm here. You know when they use the phrase life-changing injuries? Lost an arm, a leg, lost a sight, can't talk ever again in a coma for the rest of their life. You know, all of that stuff. Of those 32,000 people, do you know what percentage were under 24? 40. 40 percent were under 24. So if, we, if our measure, if we're going to make decisions based on risk, right, then surely the logical thing is to... to not have any involvement in anything that's to do with public transport in any vehicle whatsoever. And you might go, well, okay, I don't, I just stay at home, right? But when you get your Amazon delivery, a driver's brought that to you. And those Amazon drivers, I don't know if you know, right, they get, do you know how much they get for every delivery? It's either six, I've forgotten, they've got it written down in here, but just for time, it's either six or 16 pence per delivery. Less than minimum wage the Amazon drivers get. And the reports are, um, the papers did a study on this. They're trying to call it out. And I think it needs calling out. That basically, they're putting their lives at risk, these Amazon drivers, because they can't fit them in. They're doing 11-hour days to make £160 a week, which is well less than minimum wage, far, far below, right? So they're racing round. So do you think they're at higher risk of knocking someone over? So when you do your Amazon delivery and it's on Prime and it's coming the next day, and hey, I do it. We do it for the church all the time. We're putting, we're putting children's lives at risk. And statistically, and I've got a math degree of first class honours, I'm not bragging, but I work this out, far more risk to a child or someone under 24 from you clicking on Amazon and doing an Amazon order than there is of coronavirus. So logic says, if we're going to judge and do things based on risk, then coming to church is low risk. It's actually low risk. Incredibly low risk. Listen, I don't want to make anyone feel bad, right? But I'm a pastor. What do you expect me to say? To be fair, you know what I mean, right? I'm, you know, you could argue I'm biased and I'm always going to say this and whatever. You know, it, I, I, yeah, I've got to call, I've got to say it. I've got to say what I believe because the charge, I've been charged before God and men to say what I believe and, and this is my belief. We supported when it was right and we will continue to support. We're not going to stop doing online. We're going to carry on doing online and if you just can't come, no one's going to call you out or make you feel bad. You need to know that. This is not making anyone feel bad for watching from home. Anything like that, there's no judgment. There's nothing. This is an encouragement to come, to come back to church, to come back to church. It's an encouragement. Listen, let me end with this right John 4 23 to 24 says this but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the father in spirit and truth and the father is seeking such people to worship him God 
is spirit. And those who worship him must, must worship in spirit and in truth. It starts with the hour is coming. The hour is coming. I don't know how many hours we've got left, guys. I don't know how many days we could stay at home. We could do all that stuff and it, it could still be the last day. Could still be the last day. But I do know this, right? I believe in God. I've proven, we've done it this morning, that God exists. We've proven it. He exists. God exists. He is real. Proven. Job done. But we won't mock the people who don't. Cool? We won't go down that route. But be in the house of God. God wants you here. He's not condemning you, making you feel bad. He wants you here. Amen? Thanks for listening, guys.